all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Happy April Fools. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yes, happy, April 1st. Ha- no, happy April Fools. Yeah, okay. day. I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> it is, I mean, it's not like a ho- holiday per se, but. <laughs> happy, well, oh, you mean like greeting people with yes. happy, like Merry Christmas, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, well, I don't know. I just wanted to do something different. For this, for this April Fool's Day. Yes. Greet each other with happy April Fool's. <laughs> happy April Fool's. And watch the, uh, watch the killer 1985 horror movie, April Fool's Day. Oh, really? What's it about? It is about an April Fool's Day prank, but with murder. With murder. Murder involved. Okay. How many people? Is it like a slasher flick? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like if I know what you did last summer was, I know what you did last April Fool's. Yeah. The the cover art of the poster, it has, it's this lady uh, hosting a cocktail party, but how her hair is braided is braided in a noose. So. Oh. It's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Speaking of horror movies, we're mm-hmm. planning on going to see us. us. I'm so scared, but I can't wait. See, I've intentionally, since you brought that up yesterday, I've intentionally, we watched that one trailer when yes. they first released it a couple yeah. months ago. Uh-huh. But I'm like, no, nope, I'm just going to go yeah. into this one completely blind. Like, let's. Yeah. I'm not going to read any reviews. Right. Nothing. No, no. I want to. I, I you think, are. Well, no, I might. <laughs> I might okay. not. I, not. Oh, okay. I read the entire synopsis of Get Out on Wikipedia prior to going to see it. And I was still like pins and needles suspense. It was, suspense the it whole was time. tense. It was so the, tense. The entire movie. The whole movie. Like, like at the end, it was just like. <sighs> I know. Right? Like, like, like it I felt g- like you were just like through a roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually think, based on that movie alone, that Jordan Peele's a brilliant oh, it filmmaker. Was, it's what, insane. It how started good he getting was. all these. Uh, oh, it's one of the high, and I was just like, okay, well, is it really? And then going to see it, it was so good. I was just like, okay, like this was on oh, a this man. was on this movie was on a different level. But he said this one's going to be different. It's not straight a up horror. Thriller. It's going to be horror. I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. I'm very scared, but and I'm especially scared because I know. That even if I read about it, I would be scared shitless. So I'm going to try and not read about it. And I'm just going to be beside myself. Just so you know, I'm going to be like clicking. I was going to say, I might have to move over a seat. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't don't get dug into. (laughs) But we are recording this literally the afternoon after we recorded our last episode about the I-35 West Bridge collapse. So, um... This is this is the first day of spring for us, but it's April Fools for everyone else. Um, it is let's see, almost two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in my pajamas mm-hmm. and drinking a truly hard <laughs> seltzer, and you're drinking your uh, my national local beer, yes, and uh, I'm also still in the clothes that I wound up sleeping in on the couch last night <laughs> because I was <laughs> because so, you just fell asleep. I was so tired, <laughs> like I just I don't even remember what I was watching. <laughs> I just fell asleep. And woke up at like 6.45 this morning. I was just like, huh? <laughs> this is because of our weird work schedule. Um, yeah, I just worked three 12-hour three, days. Three 12-hour <laughs> days. This is our one day off, and then it's another three 12-hour days. Yeah. So 
Um, I say us. Obviously, you work much harder than I do physically. Physically, but uh, mentally, I've had to do that work, too. That takes a toll. Yeah. So, um, so I thought that this would be a fun thing to record because this is a a rare lighthearted episode. I thought it would be fun because we have an episode coming out on April Fool's Day to do an April Fool's... Yes. Cover an April Fool's story. We do... We've done quite a few intense stories. Yes. So it's okay to lighten it up we every now and We did Exxon Valdez recently. And I think mostly... Mostly just to lighten it up for ourselves. Yeah, I know. It's hard to do all this dark stuff. And, and we're going to get into Hillsborough, which is a yes, hugely... Yes, we will. That will oh, yeah. That's a really fucked up story. It's really yeah. sad. So... So we thought we'd put in a little, a little bit of levity, um, but it's still. I would contend this is still a disaster. It, it's basically a prank gone awry, or really just a bad idea. Um, so this is the story. I'm very curious to know what this is. This is the story of the almost live April Fool's Day prank. This story is going to start to shape, take shape as I. Yes, I'm doing a hand motion. Yes. Um, as I tell the story. So it's going to unfold before us. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, wait, you can't see that. <laughs> so on April 1st, 1989. So the oh. day this episode comes out, it will be exactly 30 years ago. I was, uh, I was a young lad of 12 years old at this time. I was four. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> So on April 1st, 1989, the sketch comedy show, Almost Live, and it's Almost Live exclamation point, just so you know. I think I've heard of this before. On KING TV, we'll get into all this, played a horrible prank on its viewers, providing yet another reason why April Fool's Day is a terrible idea. Yeah, it is. I hate (laughs) April Fool's Day. I hate... Fortunately, it's gotten... I feel like it's gotten a little less ridiculous. It's also easier to verify whether things are real or not now, you know? And... um, But I just remember, like, elementary school, kids just doing stupid shit and being like, oh, April Fool's. It's like, fuck you. (laughs) I didn't actually say that at, like, age six, but I hated it. And I've never been a prank puller. I've never been a prank puller. Have you? I did it once on what April Fool's do? Day uh, to my mom. I told her I, I told her I got married. Oh, you were an adult. <laughs> yeah, I was twenty-two. Oh my god! Did she fall for it? Yeah, she did. Oh no! I felt bad about it after because because sure. I, I don't I don't do those sorts of things because no I I appreciate a good prank I really mm-hmm. do I do there are ways to do it and there are ways not to do it mm-hmm. and the ways that people do it you know that I enjoy uh-huh. obviously. But your poor mother. Yeah. Sue, poor Sue. She <laughs> she got over. She it. who had to get uh, f- fucking um, put out as the only person <laughs> taking communion at your sister's <laughs> wedding. Had she not suffered enough? No, she has. She's a mother. Yeah, <sighs> mothers suffer. I think that's their role. God. I think that's their lot in life. That's a, sadly. There's a there's a song by Queen called "Loser in the End" about mothers. Yeah. It I literally mean, says... She, she had me. She... <laughs> <laughs> but the lyrics go, literally, you're bound to be the loser in the end. Um, abuse her and you'll lose her as a friend. It was written yeah, by Roger Taylor. Okay. It's a weird oh, song, but anyway. I was just going to ask who the it was drummer. written by. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he pulled a prank on his mother that wasn't funny, and that's what he wrote it about. That's very mean. <laughs> 
I remember, so I... But I do enjoy a good prank. I do. My sister used to, because I would startle easily as a kid. My sister used to do stuff like jump outside, you know, out from a door or something to make uh, me... I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. But, um... But I've never been a prank puller. The one time I recall trying to pull like a little joke was on my dad. Um, we were, we had just moved to North Carolina. I can already see your dad not reacting. Well, here's what the problem was. I was already like 21 or something. I mean, I was an adult at this time, but I was living with my parents. And um, I'm trying to remember the exact nature of it, but it was something like we had a cake after dinner or something like that and my mom cut slices and left a a plate out on the like the the kitchen counter for my dad and my dad got was I don't know if he was watching a, a football game or something but he was distracted by something but he knew that the cake was there so I was like oh he he I'm gonna play a prank on him and I think I like cut a giant chunk out of it or something and put it on another plate and then like walked away with it. So he would think someone had like eaten half of his cake. I don't know. It was a stupid idea. <laughs> and then I like hid in the corner waiting for him. And I sat there for like five minutes and he was just not basically not reacting. I was just not patient enough for it. So I was like, dad, you were supposed to go look at the cake. And I, and then I had to explain the whole joke. So basically I was the one who pranked myself. It was really stupid. And I've learned Congrats. it's just a terrible idea. So that gif, uh, congratulations. You played yourself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I can't remember basically. who that is, but that gif <laughs> cracks me up every time. Basically I did, but I cannot believe you told your mom you were married. I did. did. You, how long did you play that? Like, uh, for like two minutes, maybe. <sighs> yeah. How did she react? Like, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was, uh, I was, the person I was with at the time was the person that was cut out of the end of the one photo I showed you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we've even told our listeners about that. I think we have brought have it we? up before. I think we have. My, my mom has a, has, a, uh, has a series of pictures with people cut out of them. <laughs> Those people being my girlfriend. <laughs> That's how I knew I really made it into the family was when I made it into she the made Christmas it, card. She made it on the before we got married. But before we before we got married, I was able to say, "Suck it, Dan, your brother-in-law." <laughs> made it, made it to the Christmas card because <laughs> he had to wait till they were married. Yes. I got in before. Yep. She was so happy. <laughs> I was. She I was, was so sure. Happy. I think I was happier when I saw that than I was on her wedding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that. But <laughs> it is I was pretty so funny, happy. Though. I was so happy that yeah. was the best christmas present i've ever got yeah, at our uh, at our uh, summer home in alexandria yeah. bay there are several photos that are hanging on a wall of <laughs> people cut out of, of them. just like shoulders <laughs> on one side <laughs> and oh, she, she's always suave about it too she makes sure that person stands on the end yes. just in case <laughs> <laughs> like honey why don't you take your hand off his shoulder yes, and stand on the end like not so close just just in case. And I'm, I'm going to burn the negatives, too. Yep. No, she scratched. She cuts them out on the negatives because we found a developed picture once. Yes, that was cut. The negative had been cut. Oh, my God. Okay. Now that we've so, so mocked does, your poor mother so, endlessly. So does that explain things, dear listeners? <laughs> 
For the record, I love my mother-in-law so much. Sue is an amazing woman. The fact that she was hardcore enough to do that shows what a fucking amazing woman she is. That is a mom if ever there was a mom. Sue is a fantastic mom. Okay, shall we continue <laughs> with the actual story? Yes, we shall. Okay. Oh, there's a story. I thought yes, we were talking is. about our childhood. There is. Okay. All right. So I'm going to approach this whole topic by... <laughs> You're actually crying or laughing so hard. <laughs> um, so I'm going to put together like multiple short history segments and then we'll see how they all con- converge. <laughs> converge. Yes. Sorry. That was the truly seltzer kicking in. All right. So we're going to start with a short history of April Fool's Day. So um, yeah, I actually, yeah, I don't even know where it comes from. Right. So. Well, interestingly, no one really does. Um, so April Fool's Day, for anyone who's familiar, I'm not sure, like, where it's, it's, like I said, it's not, like, a legit holiday, but it's more of an unofficial thing for, so I'm not sure what parts of the world, I think it's more of a Western thing, but it's April 1st every year, and the actual genesis of this celebration slash holiday, whatever, are pretty mysterious and actually pretty speculative. Kind of like Halloween. Yeah. Halloween has the same sort of, like... People have a kind of an idea where it started, and but well, it's a lot of things that go back so far. I mean, you only can speculate can, yeah. basically if records weren't clear, records weren't kept. So, and they all wind up becoming stories anyway. Yeah, like, like lore. Yeah. yeah, and how much of certain records are really like 100% reliable. It's it's tricky to put together sometimes. Um, so one theory revolves around. The shifting of the calendar. So are you ready to get into a brief conversation about the genesis of our calendar? I am actually, because I know know a little bit about it. Okay, so maybe you can fill... I did a really high-level version, so maybe you can fill it in the the blanks there. And apparently Demetrius is very interested in finding out. You can let him in. Yeah. Okay, come on in, Demetrius. He wasn't in the last episode. He had just eaten and passed out. Come on. Come say hi. (laughs) He can't even... Can't even obey. Okay. Um, so our calendar has an interesting sort of history. One thing I've always thought of is like, uh, the name of our months, you know, October OCT is actually a prefix for eight, but it's our 10th month. Oh, okay. Like, but you're right. But yes, like octagon mm -hmm. is December D E C is, is 10 typically September is seven, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like a couple months off. So the calendar went through a bunch of iterations. Um, for example, the Roman calendar used like in the BCE era, mm-hmm. BC, um, was probably based on a lunar cycle. Yes. So the yes, waxing and waiting, that makes sense, right? Then in 45 BCE, Julius Caesar forced a calendar, forced a change to the calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it was called the Julian calendar after Julius Caesar. Um, it introduced 12 months, so they, they, some of them were named differently. Um, leap years were introduced, and uh, the current number of days in each month, though, like I said, the names were different for some of them. Then, in October of 1582, and it was still called October back then, mm-hmm. that was one of the names that had still stuck, um, even on the Julian calendar, Pope Gregory the Twelfth 
introduced the Gregorian calendar. The The only reason I know about this mm-hmm. is the last time that Neil deGrasse Tyson was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, mm-hmm. he talked about this. Oh, okay. And that it's the most accurate calendar that has ever been invented. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. That's very interesting. And the reason it's accuracy is because of the leap years. Oh, okay, And yes. the reason uh-huh. they brought it about was because they were used to seasons. Uh-huh. But every year, the season, like, like spring started sooner when it was oh, still kind okay. of winter. Yeah. So people didn't know. They're like, why are we like losing a day? Each it all revolves years. around planting crops. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's, that's, so listen to that, uh, Joe Rogan. Okay. Neil, listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson anyway. Yeah. I have a no matter, no matter what he's talking about. I have about. complicated feelings on him. Not his intelligence. Yes. Um, not his knowledge of his field, just more of the, some of the behavioral mm-hmm. stories that have come that's, out now. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Um, so it, for the Gregorian calendar, that's when the names of each month were changed to what they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and due to timing differences with the equinoxes, like you said, with the seasons, it required um, a date advance. So it literally went from being October 4th, 1582 to October 15th, 1582. So there was no October 5th, 6th, 7th, etc., 1582. In one of George Carlin books... <laughs> Carlin's <clears throat> books that I have, I think it's mm-hmm. brain droppings because I have three of his books. He okay. he also talks about this mm. how they literally just cleared out eleven days a week. Yeah, basically, yeah, a week and a half. They just they just um, they're like, okay, like, what if it was those, your birthday? Those are done. Yeah, I was like, damn. My it. sister's birthday falls in that. Your one of your sister's birthday falls yes, within October. 10th. So they're just like, sorry, yeah, you don't get any birthday. No. I mean, maybe birthdays weren't as big a deal back then, but still, they probably were. They're probably a bigger deal. Maybe it like also you get a sword this year. You're five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It also moved to the beginning of each new year from around, literally today, the spring equinox, around March 21st, um, or some speculate that it was closer to being celebrated April 1st, um, to January 1st. So that's when the new year shifted. Uh, So the idea is that people who hadn't yet gotten the news of the whole calendar shift, because it wasn't like anyone could look it up on their phone, or even newspapers or anything like that, um, or even were meteorologists still, were still, right. they were kind of around, but they weren't predicting weather. Right. So, so some people were still celebrating New Year's Day around April 1st when it, they were, quote, fooled into thinking that that was the new year when it wasn't. So that's oh, a, okay. so that's, that's a, a, like I said, that's a theory. Sure. Um, the problem is that, that there's no historical proof that that actually happened and not every country adopted the Gregorian calendar right away. That's true. Like, yeah. England didn't adopt it until 1752, so, like, over 150 years later. But April Fool's Day had still been a thing in England prior to that. So really, that wouldn't okay. have made sense. So, anyway. Interesting. So, where would be the fool part, you know? Um, there are a couple other speculative origins, but the closest thing that most people can agree on is the idea that spring has long been a traditional time of, of, of significance in sure. cultures, right? Sure. Well, it's kind of a the end of re- the winter. rejoice. Yes. You know, the, the sun is back. As far as farming goes, the beginning of planting, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But trust so, me, where I grew up, when the spring finally kicked in, like mm-hmm. we were just like, oh my God, we, we made it another right, year. Right, made it through the winter, right? <laughs> so, so it's celebrated in a lot of different cultures historically a lot of different ways. Now we just get brown snow everywhere. yeah um and it's like i said it's mostly a thing in the western world the the idea of april fools um 
In France and some other French-speaking countries, for example, it's called Poisson d'Avril, or April's Fish. Um, and uh, when they try, when they do um, uh, April Fool's pranks, sometimes they'll put, like, say it was a, it's a newspaper article that's that's a fake article or something. They'll put like print like a little fish there to give it like, hey, disclaimer, you know, this is just an April Fool's joke this sort of like a symbol one of the best pranks i was ever a victim of for oh, okay. april fools uh-huh. was um when i was living in rochester the local uh rock station for like half the day changed to um latino music <laughs> and they just did it uh-huh and it, didn't explain it but and, i was but i was reading pretty frequently but i was reading an article and something like a couple months earlier like the rise of let you know latin oh, music stations and so how they're legit. and i was just like yeah. no like this like what the <laughs> like how how can i headbang to latin music like i can't <laughs> and and then like at lunch they just they like you know april, april fools, fool's day and then went, went I was back just to like, their usual motherfuckers <laughs> like i was really you scared it, yeah. yes yeah. yes i was scared <laughs> I can't not have metal. Paul and Young Ron always used to do something on April Fool's. Then they started pulling pranks on each other, which was better than the listeners. That's better, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, so jokes uh, can obviously be very small, played on individuals by individuals, but the press has a history of liking to get in on April Fool's, sure. too. Um, and media in general. In 1957, there was what's considered a very famous prank by the BBC so, like, stoic. The BBC. The BBC, exactly. They reported on their current affairs show, Panorama, that a family in Switzerland had grown a spaghetti tree. <laughs> and they had footage of women picking cooked spaghetti off of trees. <laughs> um, now, at the time, now this sounds the, those, ridiculous those now. Those damn Brits. But this sounds ridiculous now, but at the time, this was the late 50s, the idea of it's spaghetti still, hadn't really gotten to England in a huge widespread way, also apparently. In, also, at this point in Europe, you're still going through recovery mm-hmm. after World War II, so a spaghetti tree probably sounded like an awesome thing. Right? <laughs> like, oh, so, we can get it? So peop- a lot of people didn't realize it was a joke, <laughs> oh and they called the BBC asking how they could grow their own spaghetti. <laughs> um. And it was reported that the BBC responded to those inquiries by telling people to, quote, place a sprig of spaghetti in a tin of tomato sauce and hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Uh, You know somebody tried. You know at least one person tried doing that. Oh, flip. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, yes, there we go. Sorry, got my pages mixed up. Flip, flip. Flip, flip. So, now that we've delved into one section of our story, April Fool's Day, we're going to, yes, more hand motions, we're going to delve into the next section, um, something you said sounded familiar, which is the program Almost Live! Mm-hmm. Exclamation point. So, you said it just sounds familiar? Yeah, like, I feel like I've seen clips, because they did pranks and stuff like that. I feel like I've seen... Well, they sure did in this case. I feel like I've seen clips of that, like, on YouTube and stuff like that. Okay. Well, so. maybe once I get to my final, like, short history, maybe that's this is what you've seen. But anyway. Um, so Almost Live was a show that aired on KING-TV, or King TV, Channel 5, uh, the local NBC affiliate in... Well, it has to be a West Coast yeah. 
uh, because it's a K, mm-hmm. or it's got to be west right. of the Mississippi. You're right. Um, I'm, well, I'm going to say uh, Los Angeles, maybe? Seattle. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So now, just again, don't want to be too U.S.-centric, very quick geography corner. Seattle is in the state of Washington, the most northwestern of the contiguous United States. Yes. So obviously Alaska is farther northwest but um, of the continental United States. Uh, it's in the we- western part of the state near the Pacific Ocean, although it's not actually technically on the it coast. Is not it's on in it. a, yes. yeah, it's in it's a on the Puget bay. Sound. It's Puget Sound yeah. and Elliott Bay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Almost Live started. And also the, the home of grunge. Yes, it is. Home of Frasier <laughs> and a lot of other things. It's true, yes. <laughs> yeah. Frasier's ultimate man mullet. Which yes, is one, like, one <laughs> in of the, the early days. Which is one of the better he, ones I've um, ever seen. His, his fictional. Uh, Apartment building had a, a view of Elliott Bay, so he was oh, right on okay. the water. Yeah, and even the Space Needle, I think. So um, that'd be a pretty sweet apartment. It would and I'm be. I'm sure it one. Of, be. I'm sure several of those exist. Yes, probably. So Almost Live started airing in 1984 on King TV as a 30-minute-long talk and comedy sketch show. Uh, it was supposed to be like a location-specific, like a local version sure. of Late Night with David Letterman. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like a public access show. Uh, well, it, in that in that more, vein a little was, bit. It wasn't public access cuz this was on a network. It was the true. NBC affiliate. That's true. So it was kind of a, a little bit bigger than that. Um, and it was hosted by stand-up comedian Ross Schaefer. So, um, it was really popular in the area and it got expanded to 60 minutes. And after 4 years on the show, Schaefer left to host I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but I think you'll really like this bit of history. The Late Show on Fox. Okay. Yeah. Which had switched hands many times. So it was it was originally hosted by Joan Rivers in 1986 and 1987. Then Buck Henry, I don't know who I that don't is. I don't know who that is either. And Arsenio Hall oh, yeah, in 87. Yeah. And then Schaefer in 88, and then it was canceled. Um, so it wasn't exactly like a juggernaut or the juggernaut that Schaefer may have wanted it to be because he left this to do it. Launched Arsenio, at least. Oh, well, yeah. Um, but he ended up doing okay for himself. Today, he's apparently still a very popular motivational speaker. Okay. So he he, he made it a name for himself. Still doing his thing. Yeah. Now, interestingly, here's a little bit of a, like a side note. Johnny Carson was apparently furious at Joan Rivers for taking this job. On the, the, as the first host on The Late Show. <clears throat> um, because... She used to do his show a lot. She was basically like a, quote, permanent guest host. Mm-hmm. Like she, Something like that. Yeah. Um, but she, apparently, everyone figured would be like the heir apparent to his show. Like sure. On his show. So yeah. when he left, because at that point... Like it was okay. Okay, Johnny's winding down. He's gonna he's gonna hand over a show. A lot of people thought it would be Joan Rivers, but then, uh, like a short list was published of who was on you know the list next to to take over for him, and she wasn't on it. So she mm-hmm. was pissed, understandably, and decided to take up this show on Fox, which was a direct competition to his. That's why. That's why he was pissed, and that's why yeah. Carson same was time, pissed. Same yeah. time slot. Yes, exactly. And uh, also. Joan Rivers eventually kind of became a character caricature of herself. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and if you've her ever seen days or her early stand-up days mm-hmm. in like the 60s, 70s and early, it's pretty fucking yeah. funny. It's really hilarious. Yeah. Like Before I, she became whatever, a bitchy comment, a photo, well, like it, or a fashion comment. Well, like I'm saying, whatever. she kind of became a caricature yeah, of a herself bit. after a while. But her mm-hmm. early stuff is funny as hell. Yeah. It really is. Okay. 
Remember, she was on Muppets Take Manhattan. She was. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Wow. Um. So interestingly, I, I had that movie on VHS. <laughs> Us too. Um. Interestingly, she Joan Rivers was not allowed to be on the the late or what is it late. What's the name? The Late Show? What? No, not The Late Show. What, what, what was with the Johnny one with Carson? Carson? Is that The Tonight Show? Tonight Show, yes. Sorry. They all sound the same to me, but okay. Um, after Leno took over, Jay Leno took mm-hmm. over, he wouldn't have her on the show. He didn't allow her on oh, the show. Oh, I, I do kind of remember that too. Yep. As uh, as like in deference to Carson. Uh, Howard Stern had a beef with Jay Leno. And oh, I listened interestingly, to, yes. a lot of people did. And I, I listened to Howard Stern when I lived in Rochester, and he would bring that up occasionally, because he would have, jo- Howard Stern would have Joan Rivers on, oh, okay. and they would both trash Jay Leno. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because, like, it, there's, Jay Leno had, like, two reputations when he was popular. One was being really popular with everyday people. Yes. And the other was that people in the industry kind of hated, hated him. Hated him, yeah. Yeah. So he, he had still so, has that. two reputations. He still has yeah. that reputation, yeah. apparently. Um, I've never really been a fan, but a lot of people that I admire right. as entertainers are. So I'm like, well, there must be something there. I watched not. when I was watching the Tonight Show for like a one or two year stretch as a teenager or whatever. It was the Leno days. So I had a little bit of a soft spot for Leno. Um, he was more of a he wasn't like, a oh, this guy is hilarious. He was more of an everyman, like nice guy seeming sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah, he was just there. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so eventually she did end up back on the show, but not until Jimmy Fallon was host, who is still host today. Yes, I believe. he is. So, yeah. Anyway, back to Seattle and some more interesting factoids. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, damn it. There's a tragedy involved, isn't there? Somewhat. No, it's a prank, a yeah. bad prank. So after Schaefer left, uh, almost live, uh, a cast member of the show, who was also a comedian, uh, cast member John Keister. I'm guessing it's Keister, not Keister. I'm going to say Keister. Get your heister, keister to heister or whatever, yeah. Um, that's a local reference. Anyway, John... We'll, we'll, we'll take a new car as a sponsorship <laughs> deal. John Keister took over as the host. Another person who appeared regularly on the show... Oh, you got, you got quite a smile on your face. Oh, this is fantastic. Was a former Boeing engineer who quit his job to pursue comedy. His name was Bill Nye. No shit. And the genesis of the character <laughs> Bill Nye, the well, science guy, comes from Almost Live. That's fu- I Isn't did that know. I, well, I did know a lot of people. I don't think do you remember nowadays. They think, oh, he's like a scientist. I'm like, well, no, Bill I'm Nye, like, the science guy. I'm like, he is kind of. I'm like, it's pop science. I was like, but he was a comedian back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. He quit a job as an engineer to pursue comedy. That's fucking yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It is. So, well, it worked out. So he was on this show, and this show is where they developed Bill Nye the Science Guy. That's and funny. And then he went on to get his own show and become oh, and the juggernaut he is. Yes. So, yeah. Anyway, that, it was a character he developed on the show. No shit. Yeah. So the show was scaled back again to 30 minutes and presented more. There was like a monologue-ish section, but it was presented more as a sketch comedy show, not a talk show from from then on. Very similar to SNL, which I'm guessing is why they called it Almost Live Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, Saturday Night Live Almost Live. Okay. So that brings us to the third player in this story. So we talked about April Fool's Almost Live. I mentioned it before. Let's talk about it in more detail. The Seattle Space Needle. Oh, okay. And do you think maybe where this is, is going? Is somebody a bit? trying to scale this thing? Is that where this winds up? We will up? find out. Won't oh, we? okay. Okay. 
So <clears throat> the setting of Seattle leads us to the final player in this little story, the Seattle Space Needle, one of America's most iconic architectural features. For sure. I think that's yes. safe to say. Definitely. Like if you had to name 10 buildings in the United States that were famous, it would that would be come up list, on every right? list. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's it's in every sports team's logo too. The space team. Yes. Space uh-huh. And it was like back at the Supersonics mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. So the night. Oh, and they're getting an NHL team. Are they? Yes. When? Uh, starting 2021. Is it going to be a 33rd team? 32nd. 32nd. To even it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking NFL. That's why I was saying 33. Yeah, Sorry. Okay. Oh, well, good. So they finally have an even number. Mm-hmm. That's good. What are they going to call the team? They don't know yet. Oh, okay. But yeah, they got approved like a month ago. Okay, that's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. So in two years from this coming season. Yes. Yeah. There okay. will be a Seattle hockey team. Very cool. I think it's a good place for one, too. I agree, yeah. BC's got to have a bunch of... Well, I mean, they're, everybody who are hockey fans in Seattle, I'm guessing, are Vancouver Canucks fans. Or maybe mm. they or maybe they hate them. Probably, Ooh, there's going to be a good two. rivalry there, because they'll just be just, a, just across the border mm-hmm. from each other. Three-hour drive, nice. I think, between yeah, the two of pretty, them. Yeah, it's pretty close, yeah. So, so, the, so for some more <laughs> NHL lore, because I have to keep fitting it in. Of course. Because this is exciting. I know. You, you expressed your excitement I did. for a while in the last I'm, episode. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> okay. The 1962 World's Fair was held in Seattle. Um, That particular World's Fair, because of its timing, early 60s, had the theme of the age of space. So this was like during the moonshot era, um, just after, during the space race, like just after the beginning. We have launched some satellites here and there. So is Mm -hmm. Russia. So it's it's Mm -hmm. on. Game on. Exactly. The chairman of the World's Fair, Eddie Carlson, wanted to build a structure. To commemorate the occasion, he wanted to build a building. Oh. Yeah. So that's why, okay. And he had a flash of inspiration in 1959 when he visited Stuttgart, Germany, and saw the Fürstentum Stuttgart, or the Stuttgart TV Tower, which just had opened a few years earlier. Now I have some pictures for you. This is two things. That, on the bottom, that's the the thing in Stuttgart. Okay. And you can see, it looks a little reminiscent. You can see the inspiration. (laughs) You can see a resemblance. And this, I'm going to tell you about this this thing up here. Um, So so the Stuttgart uh, Tower was basically like a giant broadcasting antenna that had been built, but they built a building structure on it so that it wasn't just an antenna sticking up. Um, And... This little thing on the top is an observation deck and had a bar and restaurant on top of it. So it was very uh, sort of innovative. Um, And that inspired Carlson. He drew a quick sketch (laughs) on a napkin for his vision. This is the earliest vision of the Seattle Space Needle. Now, it just looks like... It looks like a broken Pez dispenser. Kind of. It just looks... It's just like a trunk with a circle on the top. Yeah. Yeah. He's like this. Something like this. And he signed it. Yeah. He's like, here, make that happen. Yeah. And he called even his earliest sketch a Space Needle. Okay. So oh, that's interesting. He was inspired from day one I, for that. I so want to go to Seattle one of these days. It's I really pretty cool. Do. It's yeah. pretty cool. Only been there once for yeah. one day, but and I did see the Space Needle. I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, the actual design, because clearly this sketch couldn't be built, but the actual design of the tower was undertaken by architect Jack Graham, who had finished who finished the final design a year and a half before the World's Fair. 
So we're starting to get kind of a time crunch here. The construction was a challenge because the tower was not publicly financed. So this was actually private, a private project. So this is a time when people who had all the money in the world funded their own projects rather than the public. Raising taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they had to find land that could be purchased for private use, which was a bit of a challenge. Uh, Yeah, in a downtown area, I'm guessing. And it was so difficult. They were almost like, this isn't even possible to get done in time. But they finally found a suitable plot of land in March of 1961. The World's Fair was April 62. (sighs) They had a year. They basically had a year. They started construction right away. They worked constantly to finish in time, and they finished in eight months. So Seattle Space Needle went up in eight months. Um... So the Seattle Space Needle officially opened on April 21st, 1962, the first day of the 1962 World's Fair, and almost exactly 57 years ago. In a that's, month. Okay, it that's great. I didn't, I didn't realize how old that structure was. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. It makes sense that they would make it for a World's Fair because that's. Right. It's it's a, it's a monument yes. sort of looking thing. Mm. Yeah. The structure is, if you had to hazard a guess. Of someone who's never seen it in person. I have not. How tall would you just guess that the Space Needle was? How many stories? I'm going to guess, well, I'm going to guess like 300 feet, like 30 stories. Okay, well, no. Um, (laughs) I always set you up, don't I? I, Did I I under it again? You did. It's about twice that, 605 feet. (laughs) Samsonite. (laughs) Or 184 meters tall. (laughs) (laughs) It's obviously tall, but it's not by a long shot the tallest in the world or anything like that. In fact, when I visited Seattle, we were walking near the Space Needle, and I remember looking up and being like, wow, it's shorter than I thought. Like, you can see the top of it. It's not that... I mean, 605 feet is tall. Don't get me wrong. It's just not... Like, if you've been to New York or Chicago, you've seen much taller buildings. Um, It's not not even in the conversation of tallest buildings... by a long shot. Oh, it no. used to be the tallest building west of the Mississippi, but is no longer. Um, but just to compare the Sears Tower, or it's now called Willis Tower, mm-hmm. um, after Bruce Willis, in, <laughs> um, in Chicago is over 500 meters tall. So it's almost, it's more than twice as tall, almost three times as tall. So, and, and um, the Willis Tower isn't even the tallest in, uh, in the world or North yeah. America. Mm-hmm. The one in Toronto is the tallest in North America. Damn it. I didn't write it down. The CN Tower? Is yes. That what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. That's taller. Is it um, really? Mm-hmm. The, oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. guess I didn't realize yep. that. Uh, so it's easily dwarfed. The, the Space Nail is easily dwarfed by some of the taller buildings of the world. Um, now, the tower's foundation is built underground entirely. Sure. It is 30 feet by 120 feet, completely filled with cement and reinforcing steel. Sure. It weighs... 5,580 tons. And that's that, surprising. Interestingly, that's what the rest of the tower weighs too. So it's half of its even. total weight mm-hmm. is underground. And that makes its center of gravity five feet off the ground. Wow. It has a very low center of gravity. Yeah. Um, the tower is built to withstand 200 mile per hour winds. Sure. Um, which is well into hurricane force winds. And 9.0 magnitude earthquakes. So it's meant to be very solid. And it has 25 lightning rods. Because as we know, Seattle is notorious for rainy and stormy weather. So, Oh, and here's a picture. 
of the actual Space Needle. You can see how it's not as tall as you might sure. think based on... Yeah, it's very because cool. because you have another satellite tower in the background, mm-hmm. which looks like it could almost be as tall. Right. But anyway, it's still. I mean, it's pretty cool looking. It's a very cool structure. You can yeah. take a, an elevator to the top. Let me see. Did I put this in? Yes. So its crowning feature is this saucer like. So you can see why it was called the Space Needle. How mm-hmm. it was fit in with the age of space theme and everything. It looks very retro nowadays. It does kind of look, it looks very 60s if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, it's 520 feet in diameter, this saucer thing on the top. It has observation decks and a restaurant, all of which were remodeled recently. The remodel actually just finished last year. They had shut it down for a while Um, on uh, for any fellow Top Chef fans in season 10 when they had it in Seattle, their first challenge, their first elimination challenge was to go to the restaurant at the top of the Space Needle and cook a meal. And their timer was how long it took to make a full revolution. Oh, interesting. Of the restaurant, yeah. Um, And Brooke was very scared because she hated heights. Anyway, (laughs) enough of Top Chef Corner. Uh, So because of its shape... And it's 360-degree design. Uh, visitors can actually see a complete 360-degree view of Seattle and Puget Sound. Yeah, which would, that that would be the coolest part. Yeah, we'll definitely it. go there when yes. we go to Seattle. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I didn't get to go up it, but I did see it. And it, this is just like the city surrounding it. Sure. So, like, you are literally just walking. Well, th- this just looks like a, a this just looks like a neighborhood yep. like right behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the sound or the bay right there, too. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so are we ready for the prank? Yes. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This isn't just an ode to Seattle. Um, So we'll see how this all intertwines. At 7 p.m. local time, on Saturday, April 1st, 1989, King TV began airing Almost Live. Now, Almost Live was a Sunday program normally, so this was outside of its normal time slot. Um, Sunday meaning Saturday night at midnight or at 1130? I, I couldn't find the exact time, but no, I got the impression it was more of a primetime show oh, on okay. Sundays. All right. But they ended up showing it um, on this particular day on Saturday, on April 1st. Um, also, this entire clip can be seen on YouTube. So everything that I'm about to describe to you, it's, it's what I saw <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> that makes All it right. even better. So... The show started airing, showing the opening credits, and may I just say, the opening credits were as 80s-tastic. <laughs> I can only if imagine. I'm, to, try, I'm trying to picture the yeah, music in to, my mind. Try to picture it. What do you think it would be? Oh, I, I can't make the sounds and stuff, but I know what 80s, because I, I was a little kid in the 80s. I know what the 80s sounded like. 80s synth hits. What do you think was showing visually? Oh, very cheesy graphics and people dancing and stuff like that. Cuts of the city. Yeah, that too. And the signs and the street signs. <laughs> and da 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 Cut, cut. Yep, exactly. Yeah, oh God. So. I can't believe we just went through that. I just took a time portal back to 1989. It reminded me. Of, you were too old for Ghost Rider, right? Yes, I was. Okay, so on PBS, they used to have a show called Ghost Rider for all you youngins out there. <laughs> for all you 30-somethings out there. <laughs> no, 
who are now 30-something. No, I mean the people who who wouldn't remember this, who are too young to remember this. Um, The theme song went, Ghost Rider Word. (laughs) (laughs) It was a PBS show. Of course it was. And it was about a ghost that communicated with special children, a diverse group of special children in New York City in the early 90s. (laughs) Um... By, it could take, the ghost communicated by taking letters that were written on things like signs or, you know, whatever, and rearranging them to spell sentences to help them solve mysteries. (laughs) And it was a really fun show when you're like Uh, eight. We should probably go watch that after we get done with this. Yes, at the very least, the the opening credits, because it was very almost live. So anyway, so da, 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 showing the opening credits, and then all of a sudden, a blue screen shows up with words that say special report on it. Okay. Right? So it's interrupted. And a very, like, if you listen to it, kind of fakey sounding, like, overly like, serious. Uh, like, like Kent Brockman on The Simpsons. <laughs> okay. I don't watch The Simpsons, so but I'll trust you on that. Said, we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for the following special report. And at that point, it cut to what appeared to be a newsroom. The man who looked like a newscaster, complete with a <laughs> gigantic 80s earpiece. <laughs> like, right now, now they're so subtle, like, you can't really see them. Oh, you don't even, even notice them. them. This was, yeah. a, like, a giant thing in his ear. I think it was now really they're funny. All, I think now they're all wireless, too, for Yes, the most yes. Yeah. No, this was highly wired. Yeah. <laughs> and the, He's wearing a 500-pound battery pack. <laughs> exactly. You can see it's poking out of and the back a title of his jacket. Appeared, a, ti- a title appeared on the screen, and it said, Michael Showerman K-I-N-G TV. Um, the man was not a cast member of Almost Live, to be clear. He was an actor who had been specifically hired for this skit. And the man proceeded to announce, deadpan, and he was a very good actor. He said, seven minutes earlier, at 6.53 p.m., the Seattle Space Needle had collapsed. Oh, shit. <laughs> what the fuck? That escalated really darn quickly, did it not? They're like, it's gone. It collapsed. It collapsed. And people listening to this must be like looking out their window and shit. Like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and this guy, this guy was like straight the whole time. Like, he was an excellent actor. It, there was a couple of times that in retrospect, you might say, okay, that was a little much. But not if you thought this was legit. So... Um, he quickly went on to say that injuries were, quote, minimal. Okay. Um, but he also, he said that the Seattle Space Needle was near empty at the time because it had been, uh, cl- well, okay, I'll, I'll go into that later. But anyway, just one maintenance man was taken to the hospital with minor injuries. So they tried to, like, mitigate, to don't think is, anyone's dead yeah. here. So... The screen then cut. But, but if the fucking thing collapses, how could anybody not be dead? Right? There must be at least one person. Right? So the screen cut to what appeared to be a pile of rubble where the Space Needle stood. I it. And there was large printing on the top of the screen that said, Space Needle, April 1st, 1989, April Fool's Day. Now, sources I saw printed said that it also said... An April Fool's Day joke on the screen, but not on the version I saw. So I don't know if it just cut it off or... That could be. 
I don't know. I, but I just either, saw but April either way. Fool's they're, Day. they're kind of spelling it out, like April Fool's. That Day. was the idea. But still, people it was very would be subtle. But still, people would be like, "That's like a, a treasure of the city." Like they wouldn't be reacting. I probably wouldn't be reading the screen. I'd be no. looking at the <laughs> pile the of rubble, rubble that was the Space Needle. <laughs> what the fuck. So Showerman <laughs> went on to mention that there was, quote, extensive structural <laughs> oh damage God. to nearby buildings and that the needle itself was, quote, beyond repair. Oh, my God. I know. Why, why would you do I this? I don't know. <laughs> the segment went on to include an interview with Tracy Conway, who was an almost live cast member. She played an upset witness saying that the collapse of the needle looks like, quote, somebody just kicked the bottom out from under it. And oh, my now, God, yeah. Now, I have to say, I think the intention of her performance was to come off as, like, hysterical or something. I think it was just a little too subtle. It looked like it could have been she legit. She came off as just, Maybe yeah, believable. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like you were too good at acting that <laughs> a little part. Bit. Like, you're, you know, think back to your public access days. It gets better. Oh my so God. they went back to the newsroom and Showerman reported that there was, quote, metal fatigue that had been reported in the needle and possible structural damage that the city engineer knew about. And furthermore, that nearby construction on the Metro bus tunnel may have contributed to the collapse. <laughs> so they're getting like into it. Yes. Like they have a whole... He noted that the needle was closed because of the NCAA basketball championship game, which was actually played that Monday, two days later. Can I take a guess as yeah. to who was in the 1989? You can. I didn't write it down. Uh, I believe that was Michigan. That was the year Michigan beat Seton Hall in okay. 1989. Well, take your word for it. Yeah. Um, do you know where it was played in Seattle? I'm going to guess uh, what was became known as Key Arena. Where the Sonics played. The King Dome, I don't know. Oh, the that. King, no, the King Dome is where the Seahawks used to okay. play. Okay. And the, uh, and the Mariners. All right. And now they each have their own stadiums. So he was saying, like, it was lucky the collapse happened when it did because there weren't lots of people who could have died in it. That's <laughs> like, Yeah, this is all being they, delivered straight. If they had just said the needle has collapsed... And left it at that. That would have freaked enough people out. But now they're getting into all this fake detail. Yeah. As to and oh may I note, God. accusing the city engineer. Yes. Of, oh, my. And oh construction my God. that was actually yes. happening. Oh, my God. So at that point, they went back to that special report card in a special report title screen. And the interrupter's voice came back on. He, he said he was interrupting the special report with, quote, an even more special April Fool's edition of Almost Live. The credits continued. That included a shot of the Space Needle <laughs> intact. <laughs> and then they, they started went, the they show. They just went a little too overboard. They like started they, the show. Oh. And it started with the monologue and everything. So um, Keister came on. And everyone was applauding in the in the audience. And he was like, he went on, he was introduced. Uh, oh, and over the credits, they're like featuring guest Jay Turner from MTV. And that they had a, uh, um, an interview with Jay Leno. <laughs> like they just went on with their normal. Anyway, so Keister came out and he, <laughs> the first thing he said was, bummer about the Space Needle. <laughs> 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 it could not be any more 1989 than, than, than that. So, 
<clears throat> Almost immediately <laughs> after the quote special report began airing, King TV was flooded. Oh yeah, with phone calls. With what was estimated to be over 700 phone calls. <laughs> 700? Yes, from concerned viewers who took the prank 100% seriously. Furthermore, you know how many more people called 911? Oh my, no shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Tied up emergency operators, <laughs> first responders, everything. Um, and additionally, city officials weren't particularly thrilled with the accusations against the civil engineer. Like the a civil engineer. engineer, yeah. And uh, the intimations that the Space Needle was not structurally sound. And the idea that actual construction going on in the Metro bus tunnel had contributed to this supposed collapse. Oh, my God. They, oh they my levied God. some serious allegations uh, towards yeah. actual things that were happening. Like, this is going, so, this is going towards, uh, like, libel or slander. It's, it's getting there, right? It, so, it's, it's kind of there. Yes. <laughs> but you have to prove it, and they kind of have a lot of proof. So... The next day, King TV issued an apology. <laughs> Program director Craig Smith noted the, quote, real subtle humor, unquote, as being a contributing factor to why people fell for it. And may I say, yes, I am more than a skosh gullible. I fully admit that. I'm, I'm a pretty gullible person. But I also, even fully knowing it wasn't real, understand why people fell for it. The, the intro, like the whole special report thing was a bit much, but the actor who played Michael, whatever his name, Showerman, was pretty much in character the whole time. Plus, uh, for anybody that lives there and in the surrounding area, there's probably a certain amount of intimacy with the Space Needle. It's like, yes, it's like it's this there. is, it's like it's this is one of the things see, yeah. that people know about our city. Imagine, and I, and I live here. Imagine if someone said the Red Red Hat Tower and Raleigh collapsed, collapsed or something. I'd be like, what the or fuck? Or PNC we Arena. That I'd be like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Um... What and the fuck? and then the this other thing, thing is just, this is so bad. The other thing to remember is they showed a picture of, of rubble. Collapsed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The fuck. That's the thing. They just took it too they far. They took it way too far. This was also if someone did that now, people would be on oh, Twitter be able to like spot that. It you know, or yeah. even just you can go online. Oh. You can find out if it's real or not. But. This was 1989. In 1989, regular everyday people did not have access to creating their own entertainment. No, you, no. you didn't. Uh-uh. If you were on TV or on the radio or somewhere involved, mm. you went to school or you right. You weren't doing what we're doing and just broadcasting out of your bedroom That's in your true. pajamas and what you slept That's in last true. night. <laughs> That's all very true. That didn't true. exist in 19. So if you're right. seeing something. You're going to believe yes, it. Yes, it makes sense. The, yeah. What the fuck? I know. It was so this fucked so up. Bad. And here's the other thing. Somebody they joked. Somebody thought, "Hey, here's an idea. Let's <laughs> say that a 605 foot um beacon of our city collapsed was destroyed." Structurally wiped Structurally out. Structurally deficient because of the up. because of the civil engineer. Imagine being someone who worked in a nearby building, <laughs> oh watching that. They're like, You're like what "Holy the fuck? shit!" And then seeing it, and then being confused as fuck. Like, is it? So and and then <laughs> the here's it, it wasn't. It, here's the problem. It wasn't lighthearted. It wasn't funny. 
And it certainly wasn't harmless. It was a really shitty thing to do. It was a terrible idea. And worst of all, it didn't even play as funny. It wasn't absurdist. It wasn't over and the they top. Didn't, and they didn't even try to play it that no. way. They tried to play it Strings. serious. I think they thought that there were little tells, and I guess I could agree with that, but nothing well, that like, was Well, like, so... like the April Fool's Day, showing that over the rubble. Like, that's supposed to be, the, oh, the cue that people are getting, but... Or but if people... it was like a fakey newscaster saying right. it or something. Like, like Trisha Takanawa right. from it, Family Guy. Exactly. But the reason that they played it so... Or because of why they played it so straight... By the time they got to the subtle humor, people are already thinking in their minds, what the fuck? So they're not like, paying they're not, attention to those They're not going to pick up on the no, subtle humor. No. They're thinking about, uh, I know people who work in that area. Yes. Like, what the... Uh-huh. Like... Uh-huh. My kid just rode his bike downtown. Yeah. Because yeah. Natu- yeah. you would naturally think all of those things if yes. you live there. Yes. What the fuck? Again. <laughs> again. It's never the person's fault who comes up with the bad idea. Somebody came up with this idea, and And guess what other people did? They went along with it. They said, yes, that's a great idea. It's always those people's faults. Yeah. At least partially. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... Like, somebody has to be there to be like, this is fucking stupid. Right. Can you... voice of reason. Can you imagine what this could do? And... (laughs) And it had real consequences. That's the thing. Scaring people is one thing, like emotional distress. Yeah, but tying up 911. Yes, that's legit. uh, And it was not the individual's fault because they thought there was a genuine emergency. It was the stupid Almost Live people's fault. So the next episode of Almost Live the following week, John Keister was forced by KIMG TV management. (laughs) He he literally, like off camera, had a gun up to his head. To make an on-air apology he said, quote, we labeled it as a joke and we thought that people would take it as a joke. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't work that way, end quote. So then Keister was also quoted as giving advice to future potential pranksters. He said, quote, <laughs> no, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. He said, quote, make sure that you do it in a way that doesn't hint that people could be dead. Uh, yeah, no shit. Oh my god. And that, my friends, was the stupid ass idea or and the an, terrible story. Or an icon of your city is yes, dead. Of the almost live Holy April Fool's fuck. Day prank. May we never repeat that fucking stupid ass idea. And that's kind of why, like, um, this is a completely different because this is a really tragic thing I'm about to bring up. But mm-hmm. like when you look at footage of 9-11, sometimes mm-hmm. it looks like a movie sometimes because yeah, right. because at that point in time, there had been at least a dozen movies that had blown up New York City. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it kind of and yeah. then you had to you have to kind of check in like, no, this is real. Well, and by like 2001, we were getting better special effects. So yeah. we were more exposed yeah. to things like that being not real. Exactly. Um. So, yeah. But and, and this is 1989. 1989. This is 12 years earlier when if you're seeing something or hearing something or reading something in print, it's not like it is today right. where there's fake shit all over the place. Right. You're taking it. And there's for no real. way there's no way to communicate with people in real time instantaneously no. the way there is now. Hardly a phone call right. is the quickest way to right. do it. Which is literally one person. Yeah. And if you're really freaked out about it, what would you do? You'd call this t- exactly. TV or the station police. or the cops. Yes. Yeah. And be like, fuck, what's like, going on? Help. Yeah, is like, do I need to get down there? Like right. what is going on? Do I need to evacuate if I live nearby? <laughs> is my home at risk? Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll watch it. We'll watch it in a minute. But um, and I and I one oh my God. one time in my life I went through that situation is like, do I have a home? Oh, and that's from the, when the, the tornado tornadoes, hit, which we've talked because about, yeah. it went right through. Yeah, literally went smack in the middle of between mm-hmm. where I worked and where I lived. Right, but I didn't know that my house was still there until I got there. Right, but it was in my mind that I think fuck. in I think this would this quote prank would not have worked in a post 9-11 world like you don't joke about buildings collapsing because that's what people think of yeah they think of the towers coming down so but but just the sheer stupidity of someone saying let's pretend the space needle collapsed there are so many there are so many other things you can prank all you had to do was literally like uh fake lottery numbers i don't know slam a pie in somebody's face as they're walking across the street or or even if they wanted i mean it's still it would still be stupid but even if they wanted to like um do this whole thing that the space needle collapsed but do it like monty python style where it was clear that it it was was a joke that it was stupid like, yeah. this isn't a newscaster. This isn't a witness. You know, play yakety sacks in the background. Exactly. You know? I mean, it would be a stupid idea still, but it it's... Would, but it wouldn't cause, like, yeah. 911 to be flooded. It and... seemed like one of those things someone just thought would be a good idea, and they didn't think through, like, shit, what if people take us seriously, even though we were putting a April Fool's Day? They didn't think through the consequence exactly. of it. Exactly. So kind of like our president doesn't think through <laughs> the consequence of anything. Just like many people don't think through the consequences of things. So I anyway, I just thought that was hilarious and awful. And yeah. please don't do don't anything do that. like that ever. No, don't do that. Not only it was it was highly irresponsible. Call your mom and tell them tell her you're married. Please don't do that either. <laughs> we do not endorse doing that. I do not endorse doing that. That would be so mean. It's better than telling somebody that the space needle collapsed. Yes. In I guess that's true. But um here's a better idea. Let's just ignore <laughs> just, just, the fact yeah. that it's April 1st. It's April 1st. So what? Pretty much do yeah. every, at this point. Yeah. Like it's fun when you're 16 and that's kind of, that's kind of, I didn't it. have fun with it when I was five. It was just stupid. It's always been stupid. I hate April <laughs> Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> for, just in case. Nobody. For, for real opinions. <laughs> just in case you were wondering. She fucking hates I April Fool's Day. fucking hate it. <laughs> So, yes, that was the almost live April Fool's Day prank. And it, like, I'm going to have to patent this or put it on a t-shirt somehow. I've got to come up with a better way of crafting Oh, of my, the, uh, it's not the person who comes up with the idea, it's the people who support it? Yeah, yeah the bad idea. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's, the, it's, the, it's the fault of the people around them that don't see it as what it is. Sometimes a fucking terrible idea. Sometimes you need outside view and opinion, so when people aren't giving you that, yeah, you might think something's a good idea that's not. <laughs> I, I do think, I still think whoever thought of it in the first place is a dumbass, but yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> so, anyway, I thought that was a good lighthearted episode. Lots of fun, lots of laughing, lots of synth hits. So. <laughs> lots of synth hits, <laughs> dun, yes. Dun, dun, maybe, maybe, dun. maybe we should put those into the episodes somehow. <laughs> If I weren't so fucking lazy, we would. <laughs> you are not lazy. <laughs> oh, maybe. You know what I was thinking? I wonder if we should um, redo our theme song for our 100th episode moving forward. Oh, We've talked about freshening sure. up our theme song. Should we do a cheesy 80s <laughs> theme song? <laughs> I don't know. But you guys we'll can see. weigh in on that. We'll see. We'll put it up, we'll put it up a as, a, as a twiddle poll. Twiddle poor. Twiddle poor, yes. <laughs> Twitter poll. All right. Anyway, that's it. Happy well, April 1st. That was 
well, in recorded history anyway, the dumbest <laughs> April Fool's Day prank in history. The spaghetti tree one was pretty funny too, but it was a but little stupider that people fell for it. But right. okay. <laughs> but, it's, but it's like there isn't a spaghetti tree. Like people, but. Uh, Apparently people didn't know that in Britain. But back uh, then. a building collapsing? Yeah, that's. People just, can believe that. Yeah. You know? So. Don't do that ever. ever. Yeah, don't do that. It's not yeah, funny. Do the spaghetti tree. Or, uh, or for me, like if you told me. That there was a star mix tree. I would, <laughs> you I would, would want to believe it. I would it. want to believe it so bad. I would want you to believe like it. You like your star mix. I would want to believe it up to the point that you could take me there. <laughs> and it would just be the Haribo uh, factory. Yeah. That, that's fine with me too. But uh, yes, that was the dumbest prank in history. Pretty much. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week and... Know your exits. And don't fucking prank people.